Thank you for that amazing lunch that we didn't have to prepare or clean up. Thank you so much. Thank you. We appreciate that. We appreciate all the hard work these ladies have put into making this day a day that we can remember and feel loved. We were thought of. We've been prayed for. We um, came here and we're being served and we're being blessed and we're being filled. But the time will come when we have to go home. We don't live here. <laughs> we don't live here. But we live in the presence, like Isa said, in the presence of the Lord. We are planted in his presence. We are, we are growing in his presence. I forgot in, the la in, in my first session um, to speak with a Swedish accent because I am born in Sweden. But that's not how I speak. I lived more of my life um, in America than I have in Sweden, but I was born and raised there and raised partially here. I have dual citizenship, but the only citizenship that matters is my heavenly one. That's the one I'm banking on. That's the one. And he's got my photo <laughs> right in there. I loved, Gisela, thank you for delivering straightforward, no if, ends, or buts, just the word of God, the unadulterated word of God. I want to be like her when I grow up. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. Like I see Jesus in you when I grow up. And I'm, I'm getting there. I'm growing. I'm going. And God is weaving our messages together because I will do some repetition. And what did she say when you hear something you've already heard before? Pay attention. That's really, that's really what he wants. So I'm excited. Um, We've been given instruction. We've been given um, challenges. Do you feel a little challenged? Did you see how gently we were spanked? <laughs> Maybe a little bit. You know, that, and there might be a little more of that, so <laughs> just <laughs> be prepared. Um, sometimes I think when I deliver a message that was even hard for me to write because I'm convicted, I say, okay, Lord, I'll be, I'll be the bad girl. I'll, I'll have to, you know, deliver what you need to hear. And the Lord has says, you're ready for it. You're ready for it. Okay. So receive it as his words to you, um, the gentle do and the, the heavy rains. Um, but ladies, do you only believe what you see? then your faith needs to be awakened. Do you only believe what your understanding says is possible? Then your faith needs to grow. Do you only see maybe what you choose to see? Then your faith is poor and you have drought and you suffer from spiritual poverty in your life. Not the good kind when Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Spiritual poverty is completely different. And we've heard the verse, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Your faith, what is the substance of your faith today? Gisela told us to, to take stock, examine where are you at. You can't go anywhere until you know where you're going from. Where, what, what step are you taking next? Is your faith placed in the hope that we have in God. Your faith will show. Your faith does show. But what is it showing right now in your life? In times of drought, your faith will show. 
in times of really dire circumstances and trials, your faith will be evident. Your life, just like Elijah's, although dramatic as it was, your life tells a story about the God that you believe in. What is that story? Maybe I should ask you, what can your God not do? What are the limits that you have put on him that you and your lack of understanding are saying, God can't do that. He probably won't do that. God wanted the nation to know who he was. More so, he wanted his people, his people to know that they were a chosen generation, that he was their God. This is what Isaiah 61, 9 says. Their descendants will be known and honored among the nations. Everyone will realize that they are a people the Lord has blessed. Do people know that you are blessed because he is your God? He hasn't changed. He is making himself known in this world through you. Have you ever prayed for rain? I said that before. I have prayed for rain many times. Um, and you know the verse I ended with, that it is time to break up our fallow ground. You know how hard the ground is in my backyard? There's cracks in it. And if I go to water it, where does the water flow? Flows over the surface and down in those cracks. And I need to till it. I need to break it up. I need to cultivate it and pour water on it so it will go and soak the entire soil. It's weird that I'm praying for rain because before coming to Santa Barbara, where we've lived now for five years, we were living in Germany in the second most rainiest part of all of Germany. And that was the one thing that we could count on. It was going to rain sometime that week. And there would be weeks through the summer that you couldn't mow your lawn because it kept raining. And you had to wait and wait and wait, and the grass would grow and grow and grow. And you're just waiting for that dry day so you can go out and mow it. Rain in the ancient world was clearly a sign of God, that your life was affected by it year in and year out. Rains meant life and crops and success. This is what Leviticus 26, 3 and 4 says. God says, if you walk in my statutes and keep my commands and perform them, then I will give you rain in its season. The land shall yield its produce and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Rain is a picture of mercy, ladies, an absolute necessity. Without it, we're dust. Without his mercy upon our lives, we are nothing. This is what Deuteronomy eleven seventeen says. Lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you, and he shut up the heavens so that there be no rain, and the land yield no produce, and you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is giving you. Mercy. We ask for his mercy in his life, in our lives, for him to pour out upon us the mercy from his throne room. Drought, ladies, we've heard much and in detail about your life in drought and my life in drought and what we need to do. Drought is not the end. It is the beginning of the opportunity that God will use to shape you and form you. Don't 
lay down and die in the desert. Seek his face, turn back to him, ask him to rain down mercy upon your life and do those things that he asks of you. When there is no rain, when there is no fruit, when there is no evidence, when there is no sign, when there is no human resource, God can begin his greatest work. Aaron's husband, um, Pastor Kevin from Mendocino, wrote a song a long time ago. When no fruit is on the vine, I will trust in you. I will trust in you. When the visible is not there, when the human ability to understand and see is not there, what is God going to do? I don't know. I'm going to trust. I'm going to have faith. Elijah, like Gisela said, was not exempt from, from the judgment of drought and suffering in it. To trust him in the midst, to trust God in the midst of him using drought in, an, in other people's lives. Raise your hand if you have had to suffer because God is working in somebody else's life. Okay, we're not alone. Now, don't raise your hand. <laughs> Did you resent it? Did it bother you? Did you get frustrated and angry and say, just get with it? You know, just do. And you got frustrated because you had to suffer. You had to be stretched. You had to be put out. You had to come out of your comfort zone. You were concerned about yourself and your preservation. You see, sometimes, whatever, wherever we heard this, whatever, wherever this went askew in our brain, where we said comfort and ease is the only sign that shows that God is blessing someone, we know differently but there's something that gnaws at us that just wants that comfort and ease. And we say, can I please choose my own trials? And he says, no. <laughs> no, that's not how it works, dear one. <laughs> you see, God's presence, when in the reality of the messy of life, is when we encounter the one true and living God who wraps himself in the affairs of men and women, and he draws them to himself. He says, hold on and hang on to me. What a God. What an amazing God. This God, ladies, that created the heavens and the earth, he cares about each and every one of you. Do you believe that? Or do you think that there's just this blanket caring for his people? No, he looks at you and he says, I choose you to be mine. And I choose you to be the woman of influence in today's culture to display accurately who I am. See, provision in Elijah's life would only come from the hand of God as God allowed it. Hmm. So he had to choose a life of trust and a life of faith. Those were his companions. He had to choose a reliance upon God. Why do we think we should be exempt from that? Why do we think we should have it easier? 
you and I have the choices to make personally. When we pray and wait on God's hand to move in upon our circumstances, when we're waiting upon God to move, we have that choice. What is it going to be? Is it going to be faith and trust? During this time of drought, Elijah was tested on many levels. Let's see if you recognize yourself in this. This is what Elijah was tested on. Elijah had to receive provision from unlikely sources. Hmm, have we ever had to do that? He was confused and baffled as to why God would do things a certain way. Hmm. He got frustrated and he had to change his perspective. Hmm. And he never had the whole picture or all the pieces until God revealed it. Hmm. Check, check, check. See, ladies, our basic two choices are always going to be the same. And we've kind of heard them already. The number one choice you can choose by the grace of God, by the strength of God, you can choose to have faith and trust. Out of all the circumstances, you can choose to have faith and trust. Not, and let me preface this, not in the circumstances to change. But like Isola said, trust in God and trust is God. You see, you trust in him and who he is in the midst of it so that whatever he chooses to do in the midst of it has come from his almighty sovereign hand. That makes all the difference than waiting on the circumstances to become different. When you're waiting on God, the God of the circumstances, the God who works in the circumstances, the God who orchestrates the variable of circumstances, then what do the circumstances really matter? Because it's all about him. Or, choice number two, you can become paralyzed with fear. You know, take your pick. You can be paralyzed with fear of the unknown variables and you keep looking in the wrong directions for some sign of hope. You can choose misery and you can live in a state of anxiety or worry. Hmm, what are you going to choose? Now, it sounds logical when I put it that way, right? It sounds, well, that's like, you know, it's like comparing apples and oranges. Of course, I would choose faith and trust. Of course, I would do that. But how else should I put it to you? You are grown-up women. You can handle the truth. You and I sometimes need that swift kick in the soft side of us. <laughs> we get to. Ladies, this is it. We get to trust in God. Why don't we do it all the time? We get to trust in the almighty, sovereign, all-powerful God of this universe. We get to do that. Is that going to be your choice on a daily basis? It's your choice. I can't choose it for you. You can be encouraged to choose it. You can be prompted to choose it, but you choose it nonetheless, all on your own. God is declaring, and he is preserving his name through you in our culture, in our society. 
You're the chosen ones. He is preserving his name through you. Will you choose to be God's woman in this generation? Will you see the cloud as small as a hand and place your hope and trust in what God will do with a small cloud in our generation? Will faith in God be that billboard today, 2015, where he can display his greatness and your story become known as his story? Your life represents a living God, Elijah's God, the same God. God can do and did and still does through men and women today who live out their lives to honor and glorify his name. Trust in God is what happens in that closet, in that alone time, in that prayer time, in that devotion time, when you seek his face and you are not distracted by the circumstances. When you are by your brook, when all alone you say, God, you are all I have, and you are enough. What he will do will be enough, and it will be perfect, and it will be complete. That's what you and I signed up to do when we said, I, I, I turn over my life to you, God. I give you my life. Be Lord of my life. And he says, great. Now trust me. Trust me for every detail of this life. Elijah had this tested also in the previous chapter of this when he was sent to stay with a widow and her son. And when he got into her home, the home where God sent her to this particular widow, he told her, your flour and oil will not cease for three and a half years during this drought. You will have bread every day of your life during this drought. And he stayed with her. And then at one point, the son of this woman became so ill that he dies. And Elijah comes into the home, and she looks at him, and she basically says, this is your fault. Look at this. This is the thanks I get for housing you, the prophet of God. My son is dead. And she's holding the lifeless body of her son. And what does Elijah do? He walks over to her and he says, give him to me. And I'm just thinking, the moment of choice, the moment of faith, where she lets go and lets the prophet Elijah take the lifeless body of her son and he takes him away, and he goes up on the rooftop where he usually spent time with God. And he comes to God and with this lifeless body, and he says, God, do something in a bold way. This is what he says. God, your name is at stake. Your great name to this one widow is at stake. Did it matter to God? Of course it is. This is the evidence that you need to be reminded that God cares about you as an individual. What does a little lifeless body man matter? 
It mattered to God because his name was at stake. She was looking to him. He was looking to God. And she says, this is your fault. Elijah turns to God and he says, God, bring back life. How gutsy, how bold, how amazing that Elijah chose to go to God in the midst of death and say, bring life. What was God going to do? Do you know that he asked God three times? The first time, nothing happened. The second time, nothing happened. The third time, life came back into his body. Steps down, goes down the stairs. Here he is. He's back alive. How incredible, how amazing that God would take the time and the effort to bring back life to him. And you know what she said? I believe. I believe that you are who you say you are, and I believe that God is who he says he is. She believed. It's almost as if God says, stack the deck against me. Make the most impossible situation happen, or let it happen, and then watch me move. What can your God not do? Can he bring life into those who are spiritually dead? Can he bring back life into those who once were alive in Christ, but now have walked away? What do you think is easier for God to do? Make sure that there's enough oil and water, oil and flour, or to bring back life? Neither. Because there are no limits to God's greatness. There are no boundaries to what God can do. Only in our perception, only in our faith, do we limit him. Elijah prayed with great heart and great intimacy. This was an unexplainable, irredeemable tragedy, but he went to prayer. He went to God. You know, this is what Isaiah says about God, or what God says about himself in Isaiah. For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. You and I mostly deal with less dramatic circumstances, but where do we turn? Where does our faith lie in our hope? When there is a dry and drought season in your life, let me ask you plain and simple, are you persistent? Do you ask him three times or seven times, or do you stop when there's silence from God's side? So many of us, and myself included, we get turned away from God because of silence. And that is so destructive. It is so sad. What I discovered is that silence is the invitation to persistence. Because will God answer? Yes, he will. Will God show up? Yes, he will. But will you be persistent till he does? Will your faith stand the test in time of waiting? Will you ask and be persistent? Even Jesus, when teaching the disciples about prayer, he told them, be persistent. 
See, you know what shows up when we're persistent? Is the true you. Because how easy it is to throw up the wishful thinking prayer that hopefully you'll catch God on a good day when he's, you know, pouring out the blessings and doing miracles. That's not the God that he says he is. So we approach God in who he says he was. He is, he is reflecting to you, revealing to you who you are in those times of persistence. Effective prayer in the Old Testament frequently called upon God to protect and honor his name. You know, ladies, um, sometimes we give way more credit to Satan. He's really not so much out after you as you think he is. He's more out to show that God is weak in your life or that God is uncaring by the way you react to things. He's out to show that God is not faithful to you. He doesn't really care about you. And then you act upon those lies. So remember, ladies, you are the canvas, you are the billboard upon which the accurate view of God is being displayed in this world. The great king Hezekiah, he must have understood that because when the king of Assyria sent terrifying word to him, this is his prayer, now, O Lord, our God, rescue us from his power. Then all the kingdoms of earth will know that you alone, O Lord, are God. When the deck is stacked against God, will you persist and let him show up and be God in your life? More than his own survival, Hezekiah wanted the name of God to be honored. John Oswald states very appropriately, what happens to Judah is not ultimately of importance, but what happens to God's name matters in all eternity. See, in this world, there is an agenda to silence you and me, right? Don't speak up. Don't be the Christian. Don't say what needs to be said because you'll give God a bad name. No, no, no. When we are silent... God's, the view of God is not accurate. Don't speak up or speak out is the underlying current. Ladies, there are political agendas out there. There are cultural arenas trying to silence you and I. And if they succeed, my kids and my grandkids will not have a voice if I don't speak up and if you don't speak up. How serious of times we live in today if we capitulate to the paralyzation of fear in our lives, what's going to happen to me if I speak up? Instead of what's going to happen to the name of God if I don't speak out and speak the truth? We are God's people, ladies. He has given us a voice. And that voice needs to be heard loud and clear, needs to be heard for the innocent, for the abused, for the orphans, for the captives, and those who can't speak for themselves. Don't capitulate to the enemy's tactics. Your God and my God is holy, just, and righteous, and supreme. Will that be displayed in my life today? Will that be said of me in my life. Peter Marshall, former chaplain of the U.S. Senate, said once, the choice before us is plain, Christ or chaos, conviction or compromise, discipline or disintegration. 
Trust in God. Trust is God. Let those that defame his name, the name of our God, not advance anymore. Who's going to stop them? Are we going to be the women that speak up and make a difference in this society, in our generation? And I look out and I see several gray heads out here, and I know that you've gone through so many changes in cultural, and I see a lot of you who color the gray, <laughs> and you've been around for a while, and you know how bad it's getting. How long are we going to stay silent? Do we live in the days of Elijah? Do we stand there? Pray boldly against their tactics, ladies. You can, you can come into the prayer closet, and you can pray against the powers of darkness, but do we do that? Do we take that charge and say, I can pray. I can be persistent. This is a prayer in the Psalm 83. Utterly disgrace them until they submit to your name, O Lord. Let them be ashamed and terrified forever. Make them failures in everything they do until they learn that you alone are called the Lord and that you alone are the most high, supreme over all the earth. Let that be our prayers daily. In, we live in this, we live now. Are we going to wake up and do what we can do, both in prayer and with our voice? We easily say we desire to glorify God, Lord, be glorified in my life, and then we're in a crisis, and our prayer focuses on my deliverance. Lord, I'm, you know, I'm hurting. I'm, I'm feeling really bad. And we say, God, change me. Rather than being so deeply concerned with how the outcome causes others to perceive me, how will they perceive God? So many times I simply just want relief because it's what I want. And I want to say, God, how will you declare your great name through my crisis and through my trial? How will others see a more accurate view of who you really, truly are when they look at my life through this times? I've been there many times. Can we change? Yes. Will we change? Maybe. That's your choice. Ladies, we stand at a precipice in history and time. I know that sounds dramatic, but it's true. Do you agree with me on that? Then we can be the women that God can trust to trust him. That he can look at our lives and say, okay, those women were at that conference, <laughs> bring the rain, and I'm going to use them for my glory. Because they have understood it's not about them, but it's about his glorious name. Might we more honestly pray, ladies, may you be honored, God. Honor your name in my life. Oh, mine, oh, Lord, is more important than you. Mine is not as important as yours. Can we agree on that? I know there's, there's a distance here, and, 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 but we need to break down these, these borders, and, and you come from so many communities but you can go back to your communities and you can bond together. It doesn't matter 
How many are on the other side when God is on that side? That's a majority. And choose your side and choose wisely. When we seek to honor his name, when our lives and our prayers are all about guarding the honor of his holy name, we discover something very amazing that our needs are taken care of because God will bless those who honor his name. God will preserve his name before your name. Will there be revival in our land? Will there be revival in our churches? I think it's more important, will there be revival in your heart? Will there be a softening of your heart towards God? Will he pour out his spirit and will he rain down upon us, upon you? Will you wake up? Will I wake up and turn from my idolatry, from my disobedience, from my comfort to obey him? If we let, if we let the coals from his fire, from his altar, come and touch us and purify us and pour out upon us and cleanse us, God from heaven will consume you. And what will be left is a woman who knows her, who her God is and who trusts him explicitly to display himself upon her life. I say, bring it, Jesus. Bring it down upon us. Pour out your spirit upon this group of women. It's going to happen. Are you going to be in the rain and the flow? Are you going to be on the outside? I almost think we need to, you know, Put down all the umbrellas so that every little piece of rain will come down. But you know how an umbrella, you know how if you hold it the, the wrong way, it pours all the way on your back? <laughs> how many times have you been in the rain and you say, oh, what good is this umbrella? I'm wet anyway. Let's say that. What good is it to re be reserved, to hold back anything? Lord, just rain down upon me. Bring it, Jesus. Bring it down. Let's pray. Dear God, I just ask that you will enable us to care deeply for the honor of your name. Let us be women that can declare your name accurately. May all the temptations or the desires to personal gain or comfort be gone and that your glory may be revealed in our lives. May we confess our sins one to another. May we look upon each other's lives and be there for each other and hold up each other's arms. We need each other, Lord. You put us in a body to represent you to this world. Use us, Lord. Spend us. Bring down the rain of righteousness, God, upon our lives. Lord, rain down your mercy upon these women, your daughters. Be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in our lives. We are nothing without your mercy, God. Do not withhold your mercy from us. Forgive us. Help us, Lord, to humble ourselves before you so that you will heal us, heal our land, 
Heal our families. Heal our churches. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you will uphold us in these last days with your righteous right hand. Amen. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvertherock.org.